Ephesians chapter 4, let's, um, let me read. I know we, we read the first few verses last, last Sunday, but um, let me just go back to the start of chapter 4. Ephesians 4, and I'm, I, intended to go, uh, I intended to go to verse 16, but I don't think we'll get that far, so we'll go to 13. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I... Paul, urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Isn't it so funny? Every time I go to read that now, I, like, I feel like I'm having to be completely humble, patient and gentle. <laughs> um, make every effort, verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave Gifts to men and women. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens. In order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles. Some to be prophets. Some to be evangelists. And some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and became mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Beautiful. And uh, so just so you know, in case you do, ignore David, in case you do have the chicken and the beef on, Judith nudged me and reminded me my chicken is on, so I will not be too long. This morning, um, so we, t- we we mentioned last week over the last uh, over the last number of months as we've engaged with the first three chapters of Ephesians, um, we've seen God's intent for the church summarized perfectly. I think in Ephesians chapter three verse ten, we'll keep repeating this: God's intent is that the manifold wisdom, that His multifaceted, multi-dimensioned wisdom, would be made known everywhere through the church so we've seen god's intent for the church and we've also it's uh, we've seen it scattered throughout this letter paul's prayer for the church as part of our introduction last week we said and i believe it that what we know and experience of god will all, will be in the context of how we live with one another it's where we're going to discover who he is it's where we're going to experience who he fully is as will be in the context of how we live with one another. It's impossible to do this. It's impossible to do this in isolation. This was the overarching th- one of the overarching um, themes of this letter is how we mature and grow deep in Christ. And I want to confidently suggest to you that, that this cannot be done in isolation 
how we discover and experience and understand who God is and what he does will be in the context of how we live with one another. Will be in the context of how we function as family on mission. And so I think you'll hear that. I think we'll hear that language. You're probably used to that language already if you've been about here any length of time. But as we engage with chapters 4, 5, and 6, that will be the language, I think, that uh, we'll, we'll continue to use. Because what we are going to know and experience of, his, of him and his love will be discovered in the context of being family on mission. Because it's in family. It's in family that you're formed. It's in, it's in the context of family that, that you mature. And again, I just think it's important. And at the risk of just keeping on repeating myself, I would love to, to challenge you. Find someone that you know. Consider someone that you know that is maturing deeply, that is flourishing in the kingdom, that is um, not connected to local church, that is not participating in the body, that is not participating in f- in family on mission I think that you'll find that a hard challenge to uh, to fulfill I don't think that there's anybody out there and um, and if you do find them let me let me meet them introduce them to me because I'd love to know how you're going to how is it possible to form and flourish in the kingdom not engaged in church not participating in family and so what we wanted to touch on last week and I'll, I just want to briefly mention it this morning because we could, we could literally take a whole week on there being one body we could take another week on one spirit one baptism, one faith but here we see and it echoes back to, it echoes back to, the, to, the, to the story of the children of Israel hear O Israel, the Lord our God is is one, and here we discover in these in these verses together, um, there's one body, one spirit. But then Paul goes on to say, one body, one spirit, one Father who is in all and through all. Every type of all finds their finds their completeness and their unity in the Father. But then it goes on to say, each one of us has been given a gift. Each one of us has been given something different. We've been given a different grace. And so here, this calling, this 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 calling that Paul has told us that we have received, it's encouraged us to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. This calling that's that is simultaneously at the same time as both unity and diversity. Unity, one God, one Father who is of all who is over all and through all and in all, but then the diversity that um, there is this one God, but each one of us has been apportioned. Each one of us has been graced differently. And so put me in mind, reading these verses, put me in mind of the time that we had here with our young people on Friday. And so me and David, um, me and David are now uh, licensed youth workers. Huh? Thanks. I'll pla- I'll clap you, and you clap me. That's all we're going. That's all we're going to get here this morning. Um, we uh, we we did a course for the last number of weeks, 
<laughs> um, what was I talking about? Ephesians, Ephesians 4, I, th- I can't remember even where it was. Um, so yes, yeah, so part of, the, part of the, the completion of our course was to put together a three-week program for a group of young people. And, um, and so it's great. The, the, the great thing about, about knowing each other for that long is we were, our, our feedback was you boys bounced off each other perfectly. Like the continuity, the consistency. We met together 15 minutes before it to, make, to run through it. So it's good. Uh, it was good feedback that we got. Anyway, the the game that one of the games that I wanted to to, uh, to to play with them around this idea of I suppose unity and diversity was walk together and walk apart. So I had two of the young people facing each other, um, and then to take a step away. Take a step away if we somebody called out something where you were different in. So things like hair color or um, favorite movie, favorite food. What was, your, what was it? If it was different, if there was diversity there essentially, take a step apart. But every so often we would say, what school do you go to? What age are you? Where did you grow up? All of these things that whenever you found something that you had in common, you walked back together again. And so I say all of that just to acknowledge that there is, there, there is diversity, there is stuff that sets us apart, there is areas where we're different. But I think it's really important as we engage with our young people that they, are, that they hear there is more that unites them than that divides them. And if that's important to be communicating to young people uh, within our community, how much more do we need to hear that as the church? We need to hear that there is diversity, there is things that we differ and see things differently, but you need to know that there is far more what unites us than divides us. And I've, again, just reflecting what are the core things in common that if we were to play that game this morning, that would draw us back together. The core things that we have in common are, again, where, where Lila brought us a couple of weeks ago. The core things that we should draw us back together are humility, our patience, and so our lifestyles, the things that we do during the week might physically make us, we, we move apart from each other during the week. But there should always be stuff that brings us back together again. And it's patience and gentleness. It's bearing with one another in, in love. I want to read this quickly from the message. Verse 6. Of Ephesians 4. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Capital O. Speaking of Father who is over all and through all and in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. But that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. A grace has been given. A gift has been given. And as we continue to read through these verses, the end goal of these gifts that have been given seem to be, verse 10, in order to fill the whole universe. So this feels what Paul is saying. The goal here, 
the goal of the, the church, the goal of the, the, the body of Christ functioning, participating as a family and mission is to fill the whole universe. The, the part of Paul here is that through the church, the wisdom of God is being made known and gifts have been given in order that the universe is filled with his presence. And so no one has gone lower than Jesus, these verses have to tell us. Descended to the lowest place. But he's also ascended to the highest place. So no one can go any higher, no one can go any lower. And in between, his, his intent, his, the goal is that we would, is that the whole universe would be filled with the glory and the presence of Jesus. And so if that's the end goal, what is the means? What is the, what is the means to the end? Get the right order. And the means are, believe it or not, through us. He is only going to fill it through us. And maybe more specifically, which we're going to talk about in the, in the last bit of time that we have, are these five gifts in particular that Paul mentions here in verses 11 and 12. These five-fold gifts, you've maybe heard of that. These, the five-fold ministry of the church is language that, that we sometimes use. Five-fold gifts, or I love this idea of the five-fold graces. These graces that Jesus has placed in the church in order that his work continues. In order that his work continues. And just so you know, they are, have already been given. Paul is, Paul is saying here, these gifts have been given. So it's not like we can work them up. It's not like we can, like, get David back up to lead us in worship in order that we can like stir them up. They've already been given. These are gifts, graces that we don't make our way up some, some ladder to get to achieve. These gifts, they are already given. They have already been given to the church in order to fill the universe through us. He's only going to fill it through us. And so the truth is, you maybe say this morning, well, I don't see, I don't see these, all these five gifts active in the church. But that doesn't mean they haven't been given. There is an argument that they are latent. They're, they're lying latent in the church, undiscovered, untapped, but they have been given. And I know that there's an argument. I'm not going to spend time on it. I'd love to engage with you if you're in this place. There is an argument that these five-fold gifts are not for today. And I want to strongly suggest that they are. They have been given. And they are lying latent in many places. And I think as I continue to ask that question over Every week I'm continuing to ask the question and I'm asking you because I want this to be something we work out together. What does maturing look like? What does, what does 
being part of a family, being part of the body, this body, what does, what does going deep look like? What does the measure of the fullness of Christ look like? And I think it looks like these gifts, these five-fold gifts at work in the church. So how do we measure? That's sometimes in my mind, and I'm, I'm encouraging you to ask it too. I think it's, it's better we work this out together. How are we measuring health? How are we measuring maturity? How are we measuring uh, success? I actually don't like that word. But how are we measuring health and depth? I think as I engage with this this week, as I engage with what Paul is saying, it's when these five graces are at work in the church. So he lists the five, and, um, and I think there's another strong argument to why this is these five gifts are needed and are essential for us today. He's given the, pro- the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher to prepare work for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith. And I think the gifts are not, they, those five gifts are not for today if we've reached unity in the faith. But I'm not sure we have yet. I look around the church and I don't think we've yet reached unity in the faith. I don't think we've yet measured to the fullness. We've attained the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I don't think we're there yet. And until we're there, as, the, as Paul says, these gifts are needed. They're a sign, the sign that they're at work. So when these five graces are at work in the church, I think that's how we begin to measure our health and our depth. And I think the sign that they are at work is that people, everyone is equipped to serve. Again, that's what Paul says. These, the, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher have been given in order to prepare God's people for works of service. What I love about this is that these five gifts, and we're going to talk about them really quickly. And Tamar is going to put them up for us. Thanks to Daniel. Um, we are actually being, if he's going to do it through us, if he's going to fill the whole universe with his presence and he's going to do it through us, then as we, as we see these five graces at work in the church, we are actually being who Jesus was. And so again, we could spend a week talking about how Jesus was the chief apostle. He was the chief prophet. He was the chief evangelist. He was the ultimate the ultimate shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd. He was the perfect, ultimate chief teacher. And so as we consider these five graces, we are actually being who Jesus was. And so the first one is the apostle. Simply meaning a sent one. And I think we, we're, we're desperate for, for more apostles. I love uh, seeing glimpses of the apostolic coming alive in the church, whenever people are willing to pioneer, when people are willing to, to be sent to new territory, to new ground in order to pioneer 
and break through into new territory. That's what it means. That's what it looks like. The image of the apostle is almost like something of the, of the architect. And, um, and so the, 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 all of the other graces, all of the other gifts, they maybe see their own little room. But the architect has the ability to see all of the rooms. And that's what the apostle is, one who is sent, one who pioneers, one who blazes a trail, one who is able to see the bigger picture. The second one, that he, the second grace that he's given to the church is the prophet. I love the role of the prophet. I love the healthy, when the, when the prophets are operating in a healthy environment, what they're doing essentially is bringing God's heart to the people. What they're essentially doing is, is, is maintaining faithfulness, is calling people to maintain faithfulness. There's freedom for them to, to even question the, the status quo. And we see that throughout the, the Old Testament prophets, questioning what's become normal, questioning what's become acceptable, questioning the status quo. The next one is the evangelist. The evangelist is, is a people person, connecting with people, or should be a people person. Some of us maybe have skewed idea of what an evangelist is, but a healthy evangelist, one who connects, one who proclaims lovingly the good news of Jesus, recruits people to the good news of the kingdom. The shepherd is the, is the next one. The shepherd is one who nurtures and cares, cares for people, passionate about developing a healthy community, conscious, concerned about the dynamic of community life, conscious, concerned about how the flock relate to one another. That's the heart of the, the shepherd. And then the teacher. The teacher is one who brings guidance, the one who mediates wisdom, who articulates the culture of the kingdom. And so I don't know if this is helpful. I found this helpful uh, a number of years back when I first heard about this, the, the five graces being communicated really well. And, um, and so this might help you uh, for those who are learn in a different way. The prophet is, I'm going to use my hand here, the prophet, need to be careful. The prophet is the pointing finger. The prophet is one who brings direction. The prophet is one who points out things that others can't see. The middle finger, keep them together. The middle finger stretches the furthest, goes further, um, reaches out furthest, the evangelist. Prophet, the evangelist, the ring finger is the is the shepherd, connects the flock to the heart of God, the bride of Christ, um, connects the heart, the flock to the heart and the love of God. And then the pinky, I like I start talking about this because I went into a bit of a rabbit hole about the pinky finger. But the pinky finger it it brings balance. And so I went into some I went into some weird blogs like what is the last, if you had an option of what finger you want to lose, which finger would it be? The last finger you want to get lose is the pinky, apparently. 50% of your grip comes from your pinky. 
It brings strength and it brings balance that I never realized. And I just thought, that's perfect because that fits perfectly into the teacher. Teacher brings, brings a balance. The teacher brings a, a strength and a stability. Um, and then the apostle. The apostle is the thumb because the apostle can touch all four areas, uh, all four ministries, all four graces. And so these five gifts, these five graces, do you know what? They do, they do one thing, according to Paul. They equip the saints. And this is, why, this is why I could, this is what grieves me and frustrates me and as much as anything in the church. Because we have professionalized, privatized, whatever it is, these five graces. But their goal is not, obviously, they're involved in the ministry and the building up, but their function, their f- function of these five graces is to equip the saints so that the saints do the works of service, so that the saints build up the body of Christ. And so the problem today is that well I'm suggesting I don't want to like sound like I any sort of pride in this, but th- there is large institutions or organizations that should maybe a sh- like churches I could still call them churches, but some of the ways that we've built means that the, law, the, the size of our organization, the size of the institution means that they've taken over from the work of the saints. Professionals who have been hired to do the work of ministry. I need to pause because I don't want to say something that I, that I don't mean or regret. But the role, the function, the, why these have been given is to have equipped the saints. That's why I'm passionate about everyone participating. That's why I'm passionate about like, everybody feeling and noticing and acknowledging that they've all been given a gift. Each one of us have been apportioned, given a gift as Christ has apportioned. That we're all part of filling the whole universe. That we're all a part of filling the universe with the presence and the hope and the love of Jesus. And I'll finish with this quote. From a, from a guy called Ray Steadman. Can't be right, and it's either Ray or Roy. Forgive me. Throughout the Christian centuries, no principle of church life has proved more revolutionary than the declaration of Ephesians 4 that the ultimate work of the church in the world is to be done by the saints, plain, ordinary Christians, and not by a professional clergy or a few select laymen. We must never lose the impact of the Apostle Paul's statement that apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers exist for the equipment of the saints, for the work of ministry, and for building up of the body of Christ. And so that's what we are here for, to build up the body, and to prepare her for works of service. And so that's what we, I said it last week, and we've probably said it more weeks than, than 
last week and this week. But this is, in many ways, this is where it's easy. This is refuge. We want this to be the, the best type of refuge. We want this to be a safe place. We want you all to be in safe hands. Sense and know the love of God together in a place of sanctuary. But if we're not seeing these five graces operating on Monday to Saturday, then with lots and lots of questions to ask. And I'm and I'm wanting you to ask them. I'm wanting you to to I want you to ask them, but actually maybe this sounds lazy, but I'm wanting you to give me the answers to them too. It's really lazy, isn't it? I want you to tell me the questions and I want you to give me the answers to the questions. But I think it's worth us um just considering this and 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 delving into this and, and, and thinking through maybe the reminding ourselves around the dinner table of, of these five graces that have been given in order to fill the universe. And he's going to fill the universe through these five graces, through us, building up the body, equipping the saints, so that the presence of Jesus is felt and known everywhere. And I think that's what a maturing, deepening church looks like. So let me pray. And, uh, and then we're done. I'll pray, sorry, and then I'll give you the announcements if you can just stay with me for a, a few minutes after that. Father, thank you for uh, thank you for this letter. Thank you for all that we can learn from it. God, all that all that it has to teach us and and reveal to us, all that it has for us to engage with and wrestle with. And God, we want to do that. We want to do that with one another we want to do that in a in a way that brings health and growth we want to do it in a way that sh sharpens one another um and guys ultimately we just want to be reminded that that all that you've given is is to build up and equip and so god i, I pray that that you would you would continue us on a journey and continue to deepen that journey of what what being equipped means for us individually within the collective, within the family, within the body. So help us with that, Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd go where maybe uh, graces and giftings have laid dormant in people. I pray that you would that you would activate that, that you would spark something into life in each one of us. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you continue to be our, the one that, that, that teaches and communicates to us the wisdom of Jesus. And so we... Uh, Thank you for the chance to be together. Thank you for the chance to worship and, and to learn and, and grow. And so bless us as we leave this place, God. Use us throughout this week for your sake, for your end goal of seeing the universe filled with the presence and the love of Jesus. Amen.